0: Happy Monday out there. How's it going? Hope it's going well. That's the intro I say every single time. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Sitting alongside Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm
0: doing really well. Thank you very much for asking. Hope everyone's having a great day. You are listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast. This is the podcast part of our web or of our company. Uh, we also host a, a website where we write about investing ideas and stock ideas and individuals write about investing ideas. Really like we say, we just sort of describe it as an investing content website or investing stock idea website. Lots of uh, value-oriented people, quality-oriented people, wouldn't you say sort of the, mm-hmm. the the mix that's on our website?
1: FocusCombine.com. Yeah. Yeah. So a
0: lot of people look at the compound. Yeah. So uh, FocusCompound.com is the website. So be sure to, to check us out over there and um, you could get access to a bunch of other ideas and uh, uh, be able to um, be a part of a community of other like-minded investors. So thank you very much. So we hope everyone's having a good Monday, a good start to the week. Uh, today we're going to be talking about net nets. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously have a lot of experience in, in net nets. I think you've written a ton about net nets uh, on on mm-hmm. the internet over the years. And, and I think it's a good topic to talk about. So I guess in its simplest form, what is a net net?
1: Okay, so a net net is a stock where the net current assets Um, or I should say the current assets minus total liabilities um, is greater than the market cap. So you're buying a stock, um, basically if you add up mostly cash, receivables and inventory minus all liabilities, that number is bigger than the market cap of the stock. So in essence the stock is selling for less than the total of its cash, receivables and inventory, less all liabilities. It's sort of a... um, Way of seeing that a stock is selling for less than liquidation value
0: so is this and this is sort of comes from who pioneered this was a ben ben, Graham? it was Ben Graham yeah, right and then this is ben sort Graham. of what Warren Buffett employed in his his early partnership sure, like days the 50s, yeah yeah and then what's the whole where's the whole rationale from from it come is it because you just have a margin of safety in a way or well,
1: basically means the stock is trading for less than it would be worth um, if you shut it down and sold it all off hmm so it's a decent enough company it's a living thing that should have some value um, as an ongoing business, but it's trading for a price which would be if the company announced it was gonna liquidate, that price might make sense, mm-hmm. or it might even be too low, um, what the price is now.
0: Do you do you still actively look for net nets? I mean, because sure. I, mean, uh, I remember I've, I've come across a screen before, mm-hmm. and they just look like such obscure, which I guess could be a good thing, but such obscure
1: stocks that I've personally never heard of and, and kind of all looked kind of well, sketchy. Well, you'll never have heard of them usually. Mm-hmm um lately in the u.s there haven't been uh net nets so uh they're very hard to find imagine that right um yeah but but there are times when they're plentiful um they were around after the dot-com bust um there were plenty of net nets then there were net nets around 2008 um Mm -hmm. right after that uh financial crisis like Um, big companies um, they've been billion dollar companies yeah Yeah, multi-billion dollar companies um there are some retailers i should say that retailers as a net net is somewhat of a um Misleading concept because they are net nets and that is true, but because of leases that uh, retailers have and also because of the difficulty that they would have of getting rid of their inventory. Um, In reality, you couldn't liquidate a um, retailer at net current assets probably, Uh but there were companies like, I think the finish line um, was a net net. um, I know that Ingram Micro was a net net um, around uh, probably 10 years ago or something like that. Uh, there have been net nets that have been bought out, and certainly there were a couple billion dollar net nets around then. Um, billion dollar net nets don't tend to stay around that long as a net net. Yeah. Usually they're smaller things like um, the one, there's some that are constantly on the list or had been a lot of times. So, like George Risk, which yep. I invested in for six to seven years. Um, that was a net net. Mm-hmm. That was actually net cash. Wow. Um, and that's a good business, but it had piled up a ton of cash over. May 15 years. What was, of profits. what was the market cap of that when you invested in it? Uh, I don't know if it was 30 million. something. So, like that. so, but it was a lot smaller. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean it would have, it would have been a, a very, um, small stock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nano cap mm-hmm. or, and that's misleading because that's it had piled up cash for so long. Sure. The actual business size is really small. So it might've been, um, at the time I invested in it, their sales might have been I don't know seven million or something. It was a low point for them. Wow. I think their peak sales might have been around thirteen million. Wow! So a small company
0: was that like a concentrated position, or are you? Mm-hmm. Was it more like a basket of? No,
1: that was twenty twenty five percent position. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's a good company, and there there are some net nets that are good companies. Um, uh, there's a company that's now dark. Um, uh. It's uh, OPT Sciences, which is similar to uh, George Risk in that it was a pretty decent business. Um, I think they did mostly like anti-glare coating on glass. So anti-glare glass for like um, um, aircraft panels, instrument panels. Uh Um, And that uh, also was a cash pile. Um, Also a controlled company, just like uh, George Risk. George Risk was controlled by the Risk family, is controlled by the Risk family. Uh, OPT Sciences, I think, was controlled by a trust. um,
0: Is it... Does that kind of worry you when you're investing in a company that's controlled that has a lot of cash built up? Because, I mean, essentially, it's probably a net net. Why? Because it's controlled
1: and there hasn't yeah, been a lot of capital happening. allocation. Yeah, people are bored by it. Nothing's happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, George Risk they were investing in in like um, equity mutual funds and municipal bonds, things like that. Wow. Um, their returns weren't particularly good, but like while I owned it, they grew earnings pretty fast. They grew earnings probably as, at least as fast as the S and P um, and. They also just grew assets decently because, obviously, if they were invested in mutual funds, mm-hmm. uh, those went up with the market. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it did fine. Uh, it it didn't beat the S&P over six or seven years. Um, it, the Japanese net, uh, net nets that I bought um, far outperformed. That, can uh, you tell them about that? Yeah. So I, I bought um, ultimately six Japanese net nets, and those I chose purely quantitatively. And those actually were all net cash bargains. Also, true druid risk. I actually bought all these stocks as net cash. So was that
0: like a was that because you thought stocks in Japan were cheap in general, and then you just
1: decided to go in there, or how did mm-hmm. how did how did you come about doing that? Yeah. So was that just after the tsunami? Uh, and I decided that I would look at it. Um, I knew that the Japanese stock market had performed badly for about at that point a little over twenty years. And what what year was this? Uh, well, it would have been. Six years ago now? hmm yeah. yeah. So so like I said, uh, it would have been a little over 20 years that the, the Japanese stock market had done badly. And uh, I knew that there were some net nets in Japan, um, and so I went looking for them. And I picked six. Um, I did a list of like 15 or something, but I, I ended up picking six. Um, and they were all companies that had made a profit every year for the last 10 years, and which were selling for below um, cash. Uh, so cash minus total liabilities. So that
0: was sort of your your rules for going
1: mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, that was the rule that I used. Uh, George Risk also would have been profitable for probably when I bought it around the last 15 straight years or something like that. Yeah. Um, Whatever happened with the Japanese did some stocks go bust and some worked out or um, no, they all worked out. really? Uh, yeah. so two of so I first invested in five then I replaced one. Of the first five I bought two were uh, bought out in the first year. They were acquired by somebody. Wow. They were not. It was more like um, going private, mm-hmm. uh, and usually bad prices. Uh, they were sort of uh, what in the U.S. would be unfair prices, and even maybe difficult for a board to approve and not get sued. Mm-hmm. But um, because I got them at really low prices in Japan, you still got bit, really big returns. So you'd be up a hundred percent or something in the stock. Wow. Yeah, but that's what happens if you buy a stock for for a big discount to uh the cash that it has Mm what where where do you look to find net nets uh well you can find them everywhere actually i wrote about a stock that is a net net if you think about it for um focus compounding last Mm -hmm. week or last week or the week before um which is a stock that's going dark or is now dark um it it doesn't file with the sec anymore it's unlisted and it's just basically a pile of cash some patents Mm -hmm. and um net operating loss carry forwards Mm mm-hmm yeah. So uh, that's trading at maybe 89, 90% of cash. And so that makes it a net net. Mm. It has positive cash flow as of last year. And it has these big net operating loss carry forwards, which it can use to offset taxes in the future. So you can find ones like that. That's not a small one. Uh, that's Pendrel. How did you come across that? Uh, I read a blog post about it, but I was somewhat familiar with it previously because it it's a kind of... In the circles of what I read about and stuff, sure. it's a famous mm-hmm. one because it had a tremendous loss. That's a little complicated. Uh, it lost, it managed to lose maybe $1.5 billion in one oh. event, um, <laughs> really. Uh, they had two of the satellite thing that they did. This, um, is a, this is a smaller company, right? Well, now it's a smaller company, yeah. but it wasn't a small company when it had those losses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, So that's what makes it attractive is that a company with sure. a, a small market cap has a huge net operating loss carry forward mm-hmm. yeah. and a bunch of cash built up yeah it also has cash so mm-hmm. it's trading at maybe ninety percent cash um there are lots of net nets that burn cash and that's why they're cheap um but they were generating cash you said correct this one was generating cash yeah. it has patents, so that's why it's generating cash it had slashed uh, all of its like s g a and things like that down mm-hmm. so it was attractive now it had been cash flow negative previously as as most net nets are in that situation
0: so and then in a situation like that are you just worried more so about The capital allocation plan going forward, what management says about the business. I mean, what's your what would be like sort of your, I'm your not yes point, point at all. I'm for not worried at all about it. that
1: business if you're going to buy 20 stocks or something that should be one of them yeah so people listen to this if you have a 20 stock portfolio throw that one in too there's nothing wrong with that just put throw it in forget about it
0: and be sure to read the report <laughs> at focuscompany.com. <laughs> 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 um, use the use the promo code podcast too <laughs> mm-hmm. get $10 off the subscription price okay back um, to the podcast
1: <laughs> yeah the stocks pendrel the ticker is PCOA but it's an OTC stock now yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so i actually um had studied a company that the current CEO of this one had um, run, which was a s- company that had been put together to acquire another company, sort of a blank check company. So it, he's in a similar situation as what he did then. Uh-huh. And then how that would that work out? In the how that work out? The, on the stock platform? didn't work out that well. No, but I feel like they had to buy something. If that was the situation that they were in. Uh, they it, the stock did nothing for the for, probably for his tenure there. Wow. Um, but it was similar situation. That company was future fuel um and what it it basically bought was um i guess eastman chemical i think that's what they bought um so basically bought a chemical company they also were involved in biofuel um but that's the same sort of deal where they just had a bunch of cash and they had to buy something Mm -hmm. so it would make sense using um him again in this situation uh probably what will happen is they won't be able to acquire anything for a while so they'll just be waiting to buy it and then it's a question of when their net operating loss carry forwards um expire and a lot of them don't expire till 2032 so wow well, that's that sounds like a good situation yeah it you know you're buying at a discounted cash it's not losing money right now the ceo and a lot of people involved aren't taking big salaries mm-hmm. um it's one but it's sort of you don't know what's going to happen eventually they'll buy a stock and then they'll buy a the company and then not pay taxes mm-hmm. because they have these now burning loss carry forwards so um you have no idea what will happen to it and so it's not attractive to a lot of people it will be attractive either when they do buy something or if people feel like something's going to happen immediately. Do you think that's a stock that, I mean,
0: even in your concentrated portfolio, do you think that's, or concentrated investor, do you even think that's a, a
1: probably a better position than just holding cash, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It may be a better position than, than a lot at of least them. one of the stocks that I own, yeah, Yeah. Um, because it's cheap.
0: So uh, what, are you still considering buying it or is it just opportunity cost for you because you have other stocks? What do you think?
1: You know, I I don't like to buy something that I don't feel really secure is going to return 10% a year. Yeah. And with this, they could use leverage, they could do things like that, but they haven't bought a business yet. So it's really and
0: you don't know that it's like there's no clear direction
1: going forward, is that Businesses it? are really expensive right now. Yeah. Buffett spent almost nothing last year. They've said for like 2 years going now at this company, we can't find anything at a decent price. Hostess has said that they yeah, like deemed to do an the that. I yeah. think he said
0: they looked at 89. Okay. 89 different potential acquisitions and they pass on every single one
1: so you know things are expensive so you know I, I don't think that you'll lose money on it and I think that it's an interesting situation that way um, net nets are often good to put a bunch of them together in your portfolio and forget about them yeah uh, that's the advice I always give to people is put a net net in wait a year check back in once a year or something and especially the biggest issue with net nets is people sell them just because they're bored because nothing's happened they with don't them. move really yeah and yeah. mm-hmm. there are lots of risky net nets but you just avoid them Um, For instance, uh, most net-nets you'll find now are probably um, Chinese reverse mergers. So they're Chinese companies. You can see by the names of the people, by things about the location where it is, or by reading anything about the company that it's actually a Chinese company, but listed in the U.S. Don't buy those. Many of them are frauds. Um, And and then other things will show up as net-nets that you would want to avoid for the same sorts of reasons. They might be frauds. They never made money in the past. You generally want um, businesses that are decent businesses that have a history of making some money. Um, the older the business, the better, I'd say. The more profitable years it's had in the past, the better. Um, just the general things that would tell you that it's a decent o- ongoing concern. Mm-hmm.
0: So, if you had to, I guess, think of a couple of rules for investing in net nets, I know every situation is different, but just something to sort of, I guess, for beginners listening or people who want to venture off in the net nets, what, what are a couple of rules that you would, you know? stick by
1: okay well long history of profitability um you want positive free cash flow or positive cash flow generation at least and you also want really high quality assets really high quality assets are usually cash marketable securities receivables Mm -hmm. and land um low quality ones are like inventory you don't really know what the inventory is and it's usually tied up in the business in a way that if the business does badly that inventory may not it's be
0: kind bad. of like retail right for example i mm-hmm. mean so that would be a problem so it's like, like toys r us right if they have a bunch of inventory what's that worth now
1: you know right all all toy inventory now is is in trouble because of toys r us sure so, so you even wouldn't count that for cash at all yeah sure so it can be a, a big problem but but cash um is worth what it says it is on the balance sheet basically mm-hmm. receivables are usually pretty good unless there's some sort of problem with them mm-hmm. um so those are good you can use those you can borrow against them easily they're they're easy to generate cash off that what you want to avoid is things that can't Uh, generate cash land like actual land that you could sell or buildings that could be reused for other things see net nets don't count property planning equipment at all Mm -hmm. so it's really attractive when you have a net net that owns land and things like that because you're not taking the property the pp and e into the calculation right yeah equipment's usually going to be worthless um there are plenty of companies that go bankrupt and have to pay someone to take their equipment away and obviously if say all the textile companies are going bankrupt then what's not valuable is a bunch of uh, old textile. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and that'll be true for whatever company you look at. You could be looking at semiconductors or whatever. If you see a problem there, um, where the company goes bankrupt or something or is in trouble and headed there that you have bought into, it's not going to be able to liquidate in an orderly way. If the problem is that the whole industry is in, in trouble. So like I said, uh, cash and receivables especially, but if you can find land, that's great. Yeah. Sort of generic assets, assets that are valuable to everyone, not assets that are real particular to the business. hmm. Uh, and then in the Pendril uh, case or whatever, I mean, and then they have their NOLs, which is sort of makes yes. it even more interesting mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. So net operating loss carry forwards is something you should always look at. Yeah. Um is an interesting case because um, I think they'll really have a chance of using them. Usually net operating loss carry forwards are connected more with an ongoing business that's slowly losing a lot of money. Yeah. This was interesting because they lost a ton of money the and past. then stopped. Yeah. Usually if you have large net operating loss carry forwards, it's because you've been losing money for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they haven't shut that business down. Well, it's
0: kind of like Greenbrick in a way. When they did sure. their reverse merger, all mm-hmm. that biofuel company, they had a ton of carry forwards mm-hmm. that they were going to be able to um, take advantage of. Yep. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that certainly made it interesting. So, do you think individuals should focus, um, individual investors, mm-hmm. maybe have smaller sums of money? I think Oddball Stocks, when he wrote into us and asked yeah. us a question, he said, you know, or someone did, um, to get higher returns, should you focus on smaller companies instead of I guess the big companies that Buffett would invest in today do you think individuals with maybe a smaller pool of money who are looking to compound it at a higher rate should focus more so on net nets or do you think it's more so just a complement to a portfolio or how do you think about that
1: I think it's good to focus on net nets if you have the time and the effort that you put into it more so than money or anything like that now if you have a huge portfolio but but net nets are investable for most individuals even if they have a pretty big portfolio. It would just be funds that really can't do it. Um, there, like I said, there have been occasions with some pretty big net nets. So it's possible for an individual. Uh, what you really need is a ton of time to do the research on your own and the ability to look at stuff that you won't be able to talk about with anyone else because no one's interested in talking to you about net nets. Yeah, sure. You know, you can talk about Facebook if you own it or not. You can talk about Apple. No one's ever going to ask you. These aren't even in industries that someone's going to be interested in. So when they ask you what you own, you're going to have a list of a bunch of stocks they've never heard of and your reasons for buying them are going to be pretty boring you know selling for less than net cash things like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i would focus on net nets i think you also focusing on just special situations and illiquid stocks um, yeah is a good idea yeah and and net nets tend to sort fall of fall in in those categories sometimes yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. interesting and there's been a couple net nets written up on the website correct i know like you just did one on where you were talking about pendril yeah and um you know so that's 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 sort of interesting i do you, do you have any other thoughts on, on net nets for, for the listeners?
1: No, I mean, the, the biggest thing is that right now, there's it's very hard to find them in yeah, the U.S. Yeah, because the mar- where the markets are at, sure. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can find them in Japan, a lot less than there used to be. But generally, it's in places where the market has gone sideways or down for a long time. Mm-hmm. I did mention that it happened like after the dot-com bust, and it happened in the financial panic. But even then, it's usually not a quick drop. It's actually caused by continuing for a long time. So like there were net nets in the 40s and 50s, but that was caused by... The, the great depression because usually what happens is the business keeps chugging along growing building up more assets Mm -hmm. while the stock price is doing nothing or dropping you need both usually
0: yeah was berkshire was that a net net when warren bought into it
1: uh it probably was but i i think it was yeah because i remember it was it was was, was cigar and i think it was buying back stock pendril was buying back stock too they're a little limited on that but yeah yeah so that's probably another good sign that you'd like to see as well yes it's very rare for a net net to buy back stock really why is that well, Just for one thing, it would tend cash- to cause them not to be a net net yeah, anymore. Yeah, because they have that cash building up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, also, usually I'd say capital allocation is a big reason why people don't buy into net nets. Well, it's because it's like, why are they that net nets? Because they haven't done anything with the cash, right? Yeah, it's often that they haven't done anything with the cash. Um, th- there can be other reasons for it, but it- it's... It has to be a stock that, in some sense, people aren't willing to buy at any price. Mm -hmm. So there has to be something going on where, for some reason, people don't want to do that. I I will say there are legitimate reasons why there could be a net-net. So, one, the company never made money or anything. Two, it's a fraud. Um, Three, I suppose it's something where the company's going to go out of business because it's like a fad or something. There was a company, Healy's. And that was a net net. Yeah, I remember that. You remember man. that? Those were it so is? cool when I was in, like, elementary and middle school. <laughs> okay, but that's a legitimate reason why something could be a net net. Yeah, Because sure. it has one product. That's yeah. what it is. Okay. But there is an example. The best example I give of a net net of what people imagine, I think, when they think of a net net, is a company that was called Duckwell Alco, something like that, hmm. which um, were rural stores. Um, and not very big stores but they were in very very rural areas most of the net current assets were in the form of inventory Mm -hmm. which turned very slowly sure and i wrote a report about village supermarket explaining how the economics of retailing are totally different in a densely populated place versus not densely populated so if you're in a very rural place and you have inventory there that's not worth much so it's like a general store in a rural area that's worth very little it produces very little in terms of earnings so one way to check your net nets is to see sort of in terms of well, can the assets what earnings can these assets really produce and if they constantly can't produce decent earnings then there might be a reason for it to be a net net mm-hmm. so like if you look at how book value's gone up over time if you look at the last 20 years and see that book values compounded at four percent a year they haven't paid any dividends or something like that well something's fundamentally wrong with the business and the business model and that one is an example of where there was something actually wrong with the business model uh, where it just couldn't produce those returns because the economics of running a store like that just don't work hmm and but you could see it in the fact that it was overwhelmingly inventory see if all that inventory had been cash that could have still been attractive stock yeah but the fact that it was inventory obviously probably didn't make
0: it too attractive then
1: right what do you do yeah who, who wants that inventory
0: yeah. if the business is a crummy business or whatever
1: mm-hmm. I mean how are you gonna be able to sell it off or whatever and yeah. to convert into cash and essentially the inventory is the business yeah so you want to avoid that kind of double counting thing of thinking oh here's a valuable you see that sometimes with land where people say oh it's a great stock because it has all this wonderful land under it but if it's using all the land then it's just under then it's just you know um, uh, over capitalized that it just doesn't need to It um, uh, could mortgage it and stuff like mm-hmm. that but but fundamentally you can't sell off the land if you're gonna keep those buildings So, it's the same sort of thing. If it's all inventory, you're basically betting on the business when you're betting on inventory. But cash, you're not betting on the business. Yeah, which is probably not a good thing to bet on if it's all inventory. The best situation is if you find a stock where, say, it's trading at 10 times earnings, Mm -hmm. and it's also trading at net cash. Because then you have sort of two defenses there. If something goes wrong with the business, you still have the cash. If something goes wrong with the cash, you still have the business. Yeah, that just increases your margin of safety. Yeah, that's much safer than, than, than most stocks people invest in, yeah. Yeah interesting
0: mm. cool well we want to thank everybody for listening to the focus compounding podcast um, you're listening to Andrew Kuhn and mr. Jeff Gannon you could find us where we write about ideas and where other individuals write about ideas at www.focusedcompounding.com. where can you they can find you on Twitter do you tweet your you're yes, At Jeff Gannon at Jeff Gannon Jeff's put out a lot of uh, interesting stuff you're more I think you more tweet just things that people would find pretty interesting, like links and all that sort of stuff.
1: Almost, I don't think I put out any tweets that aren't a link. Included. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and uh, you can find me at, at Focused Compound. I probably um, tweet a lot more than a Jeff does about just random yeah. stuff. Jeff is more probably just investing focused. Uh, but you can find us, in, like I said, ideas at FocusedCompounding.com it's where members write about ideas, which is where we blog about ideas. It's really just idea focused, mm-hmm. right?
1: And use the promo code PODCAST. Podcast. $10, podcast ten dollars off
0: it's p-o-d-c-a-s-t ten dollars a month off forever yeah well as long as they're as long as this is still available mm-hmm. yeah so we want to thank everybody for tuning in um we hope that everybody has a good monday and we will see thursday this is a podcast where we upload twice a week right that's the schedule and thursday, monday yeah. and thursday and uh, we will see you then thanks everybody and have a great day